You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Thank You for Your Servers, a show which looks at the tech news of today, but from a libertarian perspective. Now here are your hosts, Thaddeus and Gary. Right. Thank you for logging into. Thank you for your servers. I'm Thaddeus Preston, aka Nick Way, and joining me today, as always, my co-host Gary Guthrie. How you doing, sir? Doing great. Sitting over here on the left coast and recovering from a long, long, long road trip with my son today. Oh, bonding. You gotta love it. All right. So this is our mostly weekly uh, talk or rants about. The tech news of the weeks at this point, from a Liberty perspective, this and other podcasts are brought to you by the MLGA Network of Podcasts, and we are going to start with a brief synopsis of E3, because I've lost all my enthusiasm for E3, because it was almost two weeks ago. Are, were you were you <laughs> even aware of E3, Gary? Did you... Did, did you know anything I, about it? I was in the middle of a, a backyard remodel and dealing with contractors. So I got to be perfectly honest with you. No. <laughs> well, for those who aren't aware of E3 and its importance, it's on the uh, the Geeks Gaming calendar. Um, it is the Electronics uh, uh, Electronic Entertainment Expo, hence E3. Clever. Um, it's a once-a-year confab of kind of... Uh, not necessarily tech companies, but video game companies, video game studios getting together. Um, it is their uh, Coachella. It is their South by Southwest. It is their CES. And it is uh, pretty much where everybody comes and just says, hey, here are the cool games. It's huge keynotes. It's pomp and circumstance. And this year, the Big news coming out of it was probably first and foremost the absence of Sony, um, probably because Sony a couple of months earlier revealed pretty much what it intended on uh, providing when it came to next generation consoles and its uh, cloud gaming strategy, as well as some key games and n- new hardware that's going to be coming out in the fall going into next year. So that left this year's E3 exclusively. Uh, at the hands of really kind of a couple big players. Uh, first off the bat is Microsoft. Microsoft kicked off things a day before the actual E3 conference kicked off, and they talked about their Project Scarlet. Um, Project Scarlet is just nothing more than their new console that they'll be debuting 2020, probably just in time for Christmas. It's basically going to be this kind of, uh, what is it? Basically a supercomputer circa 2007 in the hood of these things. And um, it's going to have all this real-time ray tracing. It's going to have all this new faster memory. And the graphics are going to be better. Yada, yada, yada. Um, they also took the opportunity to kind of put, point out their cloud cloud stream ga- uh, streaming gaming strategy. And, and it's not just streaming gaming in the sense that you can watch guys, you know, like PewDiePie play like a first-person shooter, it's actually being able to engage, play these games over the cloud without having this soon-to-be supercomputing hardware sitting on your, you know, be it your desktop or in your entertainment center to play these games. Um, well, that'll be a that'll be a lifesaver for me because if I have to build one more gaming computer for my kids, my uh, pocketbook is gonna use. <laughs> Wow, you're you're part of the old school, man. People still do that. That's weird. I mean, I understand PC gaming is going to always be above and beyond anything you can get on the console. I mean, uh, I think they're going to be using for the this uh, Project Scarlet Xbox new or whatever they'll call it. They're going to be using the the current this I guess current generation of Nvidia or not Nvidia of Radeon chips chipsets or graphic chip hmm. or graphics processors that um were announced uh via 
during E3. I don't think they announced them at E3. Um, if you kind of uh, kind of a kind of a side note though, there's so much power in these 16 core 7 nanometer uh, gaming CPUs. I went and did some ma- I went and did some digging. Um, it has pretty much the equivalent peak performance of a DOE supercomputer from 2007. Um, it's insane. So Moore's Law, ladies and gentlemen, um, that's going to be in a, the equivalent of both of these consoles, both Sony's and Xbox's. But the big news, I think, um, as I alluded to before I got off on that tangent about supercomputers, was the fact that you can stream these via the cloud. I am Amazing. I've said it once and I'll say it again. And I, my prediction has proven right, though. It's hard to claim, you know, I was right on a prediction because no one outside of my audience has ever heard me say this. And that's is that I, I knew this generation of consoles was going to be the last physical hardware. Um, you know, they're, hmm. they're, 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 I think Microsoft is really talking up the fact that, you know, they still need physical disks um, to deliver these things and uh, deliver these games. Um, you know, there's going to real time ray tracing and stuff like that. There are advantages to having a piece of supercomputing hardware <laughs> that are going to be able to kind of, you know, do things. But as time goes on, I, I, I imagine, yeah, the, yeah, they'll come out with some box for the next iteration of gaming, but this box will strictly be to game for streaming gaming and entertainment. It won't be, you know, it'll be a powerful box, but it won't be this thing. It'll be, it'll be optimized for the cloud gaming experience is what it's going to be. That's it. I mean, and, and truth be told, I mean, this, this hardware arms race can't laugh, can't last forever though. I am quite impressed I can imagine um, with the ten-year life cycles of these consoles of uh, of you know what's that new? There's a Oak Ridge National Labs has a supercomputer called Summit. It's currently number one. I can imagine. Could you imagine having like that performance in ten years in a desktop gaming PC or just? You know, honestly, I, I, I. I kind of can imagine it just because what we have now is comparable to, you know, a 10 year old supercomputer. I mean, I mean, the stuff that we can go to Fry's Electronics and just buy. I'm jealous. Is, I'm jealous of you, by the way, that you have a Fry's. Move on. Oh, you don't have them there. Proceed. I'm sorry. Yeah, we don't. My bad. <laughs> when I when I lived in California, I, I remember fries, and it was it was typically my Friday afternoon uh, escape. I would deal with the Bay Area traffic just so I could get to a fries. What was uh, now? Just not to get off on too much of a tangent. What was the theme of the fries that you went to? They had themes. Because all of them have a theme. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? No, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I, I was just we, happy to have a place where I could get, like, random electronics and cheap Chinese electronics and goods that was nearby. Oh, the the the, the one here that, that I go to is kind of a a uh, Italian villa theme. Really? From, oh, wow. I was unaware that that was oh, a thing with, with fries. Okay. <laughs> there's another one that's a space shuttle theme. They, they have a mock-up of a space shuttle, and then they have astronauts throughout the stores. It's a, it's a thing, or at least it was last time I was there. Huh. So. Wow. Yeah, it's fun. Oh, anyway, I, not I, to get too much on oh, a tangent, oh, but I, it's I, that fun. That was kind of a cool side tangent. I will ha- Next time I go to the to the left coast, or to at least the, the, uh, the time zone that is you know i guess the pacific because i guess there's i think there's one in las vegas um i'm gonna have to look out that look out for that ah anyway um yeah yeah for sure anyway <laughs> so um well we said hey you said we were gonna geek out so no 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 yeah we, we are definitely geeking out when it comes to that um <laughs> but uh no okay so other than the fact that like um you know these things are going to be more this is the first iteration of of, of these next generation consoles that we're going to, you know, not necessarily rely on the cloud, but the cloud is going to be a chief component of it. Um, that go that moves me to Google Stadia. Google Stadia also had a kind of a big debut when it came to E3, and we finally got some pricing. So it's essentially going to be about twelve bucks a month um, for Project Stadia, or I'm, I'm not Project on Stadia. par with uh, pretty much any cloud. Yeah, pretty much. Service. Yeah, like I think Netflix is that. I think. Uh, 
I think, uh, you know, um, isn't Xbox Live, I think, is, has that same price point and stuff like that. Microsoft Microsoft 365, same thing. Yeah, it's yeah. all, I think they've all kind of around the same, $12, yeah. Okay, so that's that's what it's going to be. I mean, there. I guess there's some uh, Founders Edition, like, Stadia package you can get. That's like 170 bucks, and it comes with a controller and a, uh, I think, a 4K Chrome, uh, Chromecast. Um, you know, for that kind of bundle, but yeah, who cares about that? Um, I don't. Um, <laughs> but the the other big news is like, um, Google and Microsoft weren't the only people talking about cloud sir uh, cloud streaming gaming and and subscription services. More subscription services. Like I think Ubisoft uh, announced their subscription service. And the fact of the matter is that if you are on their subscription service with games and you do pay 50 and their subscription service is $15 a month. And on top of that, like if you have a Project Stadia, um, oh God, I keep calling it Project Stadia, Google Stadia. Um, if you have a Google Stadia account, you will actually be able to play your Ubisoft Uplay Plus games via you know, Google Stadia. And I'm, I'm so, oh, wow. so, okay. so, so there, there, there were, you know, um, so it's, it's all starting to converge. I think, uh, Google might make itself a player in this, in this space. Um, there were also some announcements from Nintendo, you know, eh, you know, I'm not really excited about that. I mean, you know, so it was kind of like a, it was a cool E3, right? I mean, I think, the big story from E3 wasn't necessarily even the fact that Sony wasn't there and that everyone's going streaming and subscription. It's that Keanu Reeves is the likeness in a game called tw- uh, Cyberpunk 2077. And that ended up being like, <laughs> ended up being super important and su- uh, like a super big story. And I was just like, I mean, that's good for him. I'm glad that this very uh, mediocre actor is finding like a renaissance in the fact that like he's... T- he's t- hey, he's actually... I, he has gained... He's become a meme. I don't know if you've noticed, but he has he actually become a meme. This is true. He has become pop culture. He's well. He's become this uh, the ultimate wholesome good guy. And uh, my my daughter and I have bonded over this. It's it's actually kind of a a fun thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's good, right? Because it's not his movies now play to his his strengths as an actor, which aren't many. And um, he's now made, you got to think, he's made three or four beloved franchises in his career. Yes. And, I, and, I, and and if you look at it, you're just like, I mean, not a, not, a, not a guy of great depth, but, you know, he's just, he's just now this new phenomenon. And I think it's because he, well, he's he such does, a he, humble guy. And I think that's what. He does one thing. Acting wise, he does one thing and he does it well, yeah, you know, no. whoa. And, uh, <laughs> but as a person, he is an amazingly complex and, uh, giving person anyway, not to get too much off on him, but no, no. That, um, and that's probably why, I mean, the, the, the guy got it like this huge, like rock. Well, I mean, it's not hard to get a rock star, like ovation at E3 surrounded by geeks like ourselves. I mean, they're happy. I mean, they were, they were applauding the fact that like, you know, Project Scarlet's going to have real-time ray tracing in 8K, gra- 8K resolution. <laughs> I mean, you know, granted, I mean, yeah. an impressive computational feat, but not worthy of standing up. You know, you ever seen that meme where, the like, the kid who looks like a bird just with his mouth wide open just starts clapping and looking around and telling everybody <laughs> that, how amazing this is? I mean, that's basically what it is when you go to E3, right? It's just like right. people are sitting there crying in the aisles because, like, you know— uh, Cyberpunk 2070 uh, 2077's coming out. It's it's, it's kind of like that. It's like going to a, like a it's like going to a Bieber concert circa 2012 uh, 2011 or something. See you've <laughs> you you've sold me on this. I've got to go down just to see the show. I mean, no, it's no, got to be hilarious. No, these yeah no. I mean, I looked at a, a two or three of these keynotes. Um, um, big up to uh, Engadget and who else does a really good one. Like the Verge and stuff, where they really take these two-hour keynotes and like, like distill them down to like twelve minutes or something. And you, oh my God. and you get these, and you get these great, and, and you get these great like, you know, synopsis of like what happened and how, 
and it's really it's kind of ridiculous what they what they announced and what people clap over, right? Um, but you know, I will I will watch it to see people clap over something ridiculous. That's it's, it's actually pretty, my entertainment it's these days. Hilarious. I mean, there's no. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't be wild at some of this stuff, and maybe I might have you know clapped and hoot and hollered a little bit when Keanu Reeves came on stage. But here's the thing. I'm not a gamer, right? I, I mean, I watch the space because if it's technological progress, because if it's cultural relevance, but but it's, you know, I, I'm not going to go out and like, I'm probably going to subscribe to Google Stadia for a month or two, play it for a hot minute. And the cool thing, maybe just not not touch it again. I mean, every time I tell my wife I'm going to buy a console, she looks at me sideways and says, "Really?" Because I I bought them before and I paid <laughs> played them for a grand total of thirty days, and I've thrown them. But aside. does she? But does she? Does she understand the significance of this one? <laughs> yeah, that's always the selling point, right? This is going to be the last physical console one could ever <laughs> buy no really i'm this, super i'm super it's all cloud it's come all, on you gotta well, understand right, that, that was my that was that was my selling point right it was just like hey it's, <laughs> it's the cloud which means uh, i only have to i don't even really have to buy like a, a, a like a controller right I, I could just like subscribe to it and like bring it up on like I'm pretty sure it's gonna be I'm gonna be able to run it on the, an Apple TV or Roku or or Fire TV, um, right? Or even or even a, like if we update our big screen TV, it'll be like one of the software options for like my Samsung app, one of my Samsung apps on my TV or something like that, you know? So it could be. It's a good selling point. It's a cheap entry point. You know, because you know this console is going to be five hundred dollars plus, God knows how much, um, and uh-huh. that would definitely that would make me angry if I spent that kind of money and I only played two or three games in a couple for a couple months and then stopped touching it, right? Unless you're sponsored and uh, getting that money back somehow, yeah, not worth it. Big, uh, it's like that. This is that is not that is not a solicitation to spo- for gaming sponsors to sponsor this week. <laughs> this uh, this podcast. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, thank you for your service, part that of was... the MLGA network. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no. We weren't <laughs> clearly we're... not my intent. No, not my intent at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that's all I have on E3, man. Because I, and I know you ain't got much. Excellent. On it. Yeah, but next. Nope. You know, yeah, nope. Yeah, like there you go. Right, like, there you go. Like it's. I, you know, this is non-political. There wasn't a whole. There wasn't a whole lot of SJW nonsense. I would imagine. I mean, you know, I, it just. This is kind of, even though GamerGate was a thing, this is kind of one of the last industries that like the SJWs haven't fully screwed up, and um, I'm I'm happy, right? I mean, it's just technological achievement. It's men and women and people of color and your LGBTQ AARP types and stuff. It doesn't matter, man. As long as you're making good games, you're being creative. You know what? And you're excited about socially. Socially, the nerd community has always been, and I can speak to this from experience since you know the early '80s when I was getting into it with my first Atari Twenty Six Hundred. You know. Yeah. The nerd community has always been the most inclusive, accepting community out there just because they have always been the most marginalized. Well, traditionally, (laughs) exactly. The most bullied, the most marginalized, or, or at least equally to some of the other ones. And I can't speak to the other ones because I don't know, but, but. You know, the nerd community has always been a a safe place. I I, I hate to use that term, but it really (laughs) it it has been. It has yeah, it has has traditionally been a safe space. This is absolutely (laughs) true. Um, and it it was very very uh disconcerting and upsetting when the GamerGate thing kind of kicked off because and the whole uh, drama with um Colin Moriarty kicked off and. All these other guys, because it's just like, dude, it's just games, man. They didn't. They've been making these games. Have been making social commentary forever, and if anything, it's it's advanced liberalism. So it's 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 kind of disappointing when you know they politicize and kind of destroy that type of stuff. But I didn't get I didn't get a whole lot of that vibe this year. 
And maybe it's because I don't pay that close attention. Maybe there was some SJW subliminal messaging. Didn't get it. I was just happy to see, like, one, there's a new player in the game space. And that's Google, right? Now, you know, long term, will Google kind of be? I don't know. Right? Google is, is, I mean, I have a long list of services that Google are, are killing off this week, too. Um, so, you know, this, you know, this kind right. of thing, which is why it was another reason why, I mean, I don't want to invest a whole lot of time in, you know, Google Stadia, right? Just like, is if just make the barrier to entry pretty cheap. And so like, when you pull the rug from under me, I'm like, eh, well, whatever. Right. And then I just move on with it. All right. So right. moving on from that happy geekdom to some more kind of serious news. And that is Huawei has patents, ladies and gentlemen. And they ain't afraid to ain't afraid to use them. So as we had predicted previously, if you are a listener to the podcast, Huawei has a lot of 5G patents. Um, it has been amassing said 5G patents over the last five to ten years um, because they missed the 4G boat. And now they're starting to weaponize those patents. And one of the chief reasons and catalysts for them doing so is this ongoing horrible trade war that we're, we're, we're going through with China. So, you know, um, Huawei Technologies has come under unrelenting pressure from the Trump administration. And the Chinese telecommunication giant has one advantage that the U.S. can't undermine its vast global portfolio of patents on critical technologies. Get this, 56,492. Um, patents? Yes. That's how many they have. Wow. And they can press them on really two big companies. And you'll, you'll recognize the names, Verizon Communications and Qualcomm. Um, so it's, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, they can exert pressure and definitely pump the brakes on the build-out of 5G networks here and abroad, or at least abroad in places that are kind of, let's let's be blunt, under the imperial thumb of the United States, because they're also they've been pressure they've been pressuring a lot of European countries via these intelligence sharing agreements if they were to deploy any of Huawei's equipment on their networks as they build out their 5G networks and maintain their LTE networks, they've been basically saying, well, the United States uh, will reserve the right to cut off intelligence sharing with said Western European countries. Um, if you guys use Huawei equipment, that's basically now starting to close off a lot of those markets to Huawei. On the flip side of that, they're, they're, also, they've, they're forming alliances with, you know, less than friendly regimes in the United States. They had signed a, an agreement to start building out 5G equipment in Russia just lately. Um, hmm. so, I mean, there, there, there's this global chess game that's going on, um, when it comes to Huawei. I mean, on, in the tech industry, I mean, you know, the Trump administration has already brought one Chinese firm that was in the telecommunication space to its knees. And that is ZTE. And, um, you know, um, that's why you can't get Z cheap ZTE phones in your Verizon store, your AT&T store, T-Mobile stores, because again, Sanctions placed on by the Trump administration to exert pressure on the Chinese, uh, on the the Chinese, let's call it regime, um, to basically play fair. I use air quotes when he said when I say fair in this trade, in our trade disputes. Um, Yeah, this was a this was a long time coming, Gary. Yep. And I I did. I, I, I warned against this. Like we may hold the cards and many other industries, but their their pain points that the Chinese regime via their your you know their 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 corporate uh, with their corporate dendrils and everything can that, that can exert on us. This you know this this is going to definitely slow. Well, they're no they're no they're no they're no dummies. I mean, it, you don't get into the international marketplace without I I you know it's not really an ace up your sleeve, but without ammunition. And this is some of the, when I saw it come out in the news, I knew this was some of the biggest ammunition that was available, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, 
and they're well within their right to to attempt to do it. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's, hell yeah, they are. <laughs> so I, I, don't, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's going to suck for us. I mean, and it's and it's and it seems to be escalating more, right? So in lieu of that, I'm reading here in CNN Business, the U.S. Commerce Department j- just yesterday, as we record this, is placing restriction on American companies doing business with like Chinese entities that make supercomputers. And it's it's you know again a lot of these companies are going to show up on this infamous entity list, um, and, and it's all ostensibly uh, ostensibly for security and privacy and blah blah blah. Yeah, we all know what it's really yeah, for. Right, right. I mean, on the one hand, one is to always be uh, guarded with your privacy. But at the yes. same time, man, I tend to think, and you know, really outside of the realm of this whole trade dispute, and outside of the realm of the whole government versus you know the people thing, I think sometimes people often use this privacy as just kind of a crutch to not only bludgeon their opponents in the uh, in the arena of the market, but also just as kind of this thing that like it, it's kind of one of those things where people like they say they want privacy, but they don't their actions dictate otherwise or like people say they want to at january 1st that they want to go to the gym and so you know subscriptions to gyms spike up and people whatever but like at the end of the day in the real world no one gives a damn and no by by february the gyms thank god the gyms are cleaned out well ultimately the you know the privacy security thing more than a crutch it's a fear tactic that and it's a tool available to use to trigger and not trigger people but to you put it out there and you say okay there is a threat that somebody is going to steal your identity you know they'll they'll say something vague like that yeah, yeah and you know i say it's vague i mean it's a very real threat but at the same time I don't think most people understand what that really means or how it happens and the visceral reaction that comes from somebody saying there is this threat is I must defend. How do I defend? Absolutely. We must ban them. We must not do business uh, with them because they will steal my identity and I don't know do what with it you know yeah so it, yeah and i and I, I mean apple plays this up a lot um particularly you know when they want to slap at google um and a lot of companies play this up but i mean it's yeah i i, I the, again to kind of roll this into why there's so much sinophobia and stuff like that there there the two things can be true at the same time there is a history of industrial espionage orchestrated by Chinese companies who have had either implicit or explicit backing with the Chinese um, communist government. This is known. This is not hyperbole. This is just true. At the same time, that doesn't mean that that is true of all Chinese companies. And that doesn't mean that there isn't security measures and, and, and really other types of measures we can put into place that you know make it harder for these companies to do this type of industrial espionage and still allow us to get access to things like Huawei equipment, WeChat or whatever. Now I understand right. not you know not to put my I'll put my maga hat on and then I will ask for forgiveness when I take it off later. I understand <laughs> what the Trump administration is trying to do, because it has not been a uh, reciprocal relationship when it comes to intellectual property and trade between us and China for 25 years. This is just true. Correct. Um, and and right. my libertarian instincts would tell me, well, that is what it is. We would just outcompete with them. But I can understand the concern if there is not a reciprocation of trade uh, or intellectual property. That being said, this is uh, this this thing is is going is kind of becoming lunacy, right? I mean, you know, there's so much cultural, scientific, and financial exchange between us now. So we know it's not going to be a shooting war, right? So that that much is certain, right? Right. But from a from a cyber standpoint, you don't think we're we're not going to take shots at each other in cyberspace? 
this is we have to it's almost like you have to because the 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 way that i mean cyber cyberspace is so different than the physical space and the reality as you just described is very real because and and even if it's not the big players the chinese government the the huawei's the whatever there are individuals and there are groups out there who will actively seek to exploit whatever vulnerabilities they can find. And, and they, they may be doing it under the radar, you know? So Indeed. I think there's a, there's a legitimate fear and there's a legitimate caution that we have to take. But, you know, you have to, from a risk management standpoint, what is the real risk here? You know, yeah, and that's the question that I don't think most people are asking. Most people are just succumbing to the fear of, oh my God, somebody's gonna get my private information, blah blah, and and they don't. Again, they don't even know what that means. The Chinese are, are going to embed, you know, system. <laughs> they're gonna embed stuff in our infrastructure systems that are going to take advantage of this and that and it's like and they're gonna inject chips in my children you watch you watch you watch (laughs) yeah it's 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 hysterical and honestly i think the reason why particularly the the u.s government's hysterical about it is because this the same types of techniques that we are accusing the chinese of doing for industrial espionage let's be blunt are the same things that we do (laughs) oh the hell you say there is no i thought you put your maga hat on what are you talking about i'm sorry i took it off a second ago but um, oh you took it off for a second okay (laughs) so it is you know that's that's that uh, that stuff oh god so this continues um huawei is starting starting to fight back and and in 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 the world will be will be terrible for the foreseeable future unless we kind of come to some sort of friendly conclusion to this ugly, ugly trade war that is it is affecting many, many people on many different levels. All right. So let's, should we get to the elephant in the room? Should we get to it? Let's do it. All right. Do man. it. The Facebook Libra. So ladies and gentlemen, mm. after much many many months and much speculation it has finally been revealed that facebook's plans to to absolutely revolutionize currency so um i'll start with you gary uh, so what did you think what what little you've heard right what did you i mean what do you think of you know the facebook like libra like what 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 compels you about this what's what the good the bad in your opinion uh, well, first of all, I don't understand the Libra. You know, I mean, I, I've, I understand cryptocurrency in general, and I've read the white papers, and I've, you know, kind of tinkered around in it. Unfortunately, I did not buy when I should have bought, but... Bitcoin at, at 10000 as we record this. It's, uh, it's crazy. But uh, I, I don't... I, I look at Facebook's Libra play at, and the timing of it at, at, you know, right at when Bitcoin is taken off like a skyrocket. And I, I just don't understand their, um, their motivation in it other than to capture another piece of humanity <laughs> <laughs> to, to add to their collection. You know, I just don't understand their, uh, their, 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 approach here so i mean here i mean here's how i see it right so so first i i i get where they're coming from right and my when i you know my my i just took my maga hat off and threw it in the corner and now i'm gonna put on my okay good austria libertarian hat oh okay (laughs) this is what a free market in currency looks like this is what a free market in money looks like this is what austrians have drooled over Right. Is someone or something needs to be able to compete with the central banks of the world. And this is basically a at this at this instance, a consortium of private organizations 
who were part right. of this uh, Libre Association, who were going to be okay. the r- responsible parties in it. We're talking about people like eBay, Stripe, Visa, Uber, uh, my, uh, uh, MasterCard, PayPal, Coinbase, uh, Facebook, obviously, and Dreesen Horowitz, uh, Kiva. Um, Dude, it's 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 you know Vodafone in uh, in Europe, so it's almost like if the Federal Reserve System is made up of member banks, this new let's call it parallel Federal Reserve System is made up of financial institutions, nonprofits. I mean, you know, Coinbase lends a little bit more um, crypto cred to it, but not not a lot. Um, I think hmm. it's, he's like, you say what you will about Facebook and its privacy woes, because it's, it's terrible at its job. And I, I, yep. and I, truth, truth be told, I don't think it was ever really good at it. And I don't, I don't understand why people thought that they would ever be good at it. It's not their business model. Their uh, whole model is exploiting private data. Private data. I mean, that's, that, that's been web two, that's been the, that's been web 2.0. Since the coin, since uh, uh since um, Tim O'Reilly coined the term Web 2.0, it's been the business model. I don't understand why we come. We're 15 years later, and people are shocked that that's the that's the business model. I mean, it, it dumbfounds right. me. Let's also <laughs> ignore the fact that you know, at Facebook and its in its conglomerate of of social media platforms have become like totalitarian social justice warrior wastelands. Right? Okay, they're yep. they're censoring. And they're doing a terrible thing, and I, and I absolutely agree. But I absolutely love, I absolutely positively love the fact that there are more players in the crypto market now. If you read the if you read the kind of synopsis of the white paper, like they are using a blockchain for validating um, um, for validating purchases on the blockchain, and I think they're use and they're using kind of the same um, philosophy. Not necessarily the infrastructure, but the same philosophy that the Ethereum uses. Um, they're go- they're th- currently right now they're proof of work, which is how most cryptocurrencies work. And that proof of work basically means you put a lot of computational effort into validating blocks on the chain. Um, and right. if one solves that block, then and and hence validates that transaction on the chain, you get awarded a, a fractional amount of Set currency, right. Um, right? That is computationally intensive and actually very energy in, uh, inefficient, uh, uh, very energy inefficient. Um, so yes. they're eventually going to move to a proof of stake, which is kind of some commie feel good stuff about you know round robin voting and choosing a random person hmm. to validate something on the block. I, I, I still don't quite understand it, but I mean competition in the currency market, I think is 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 good. Um, well, I think competition anywhere is good. good. I, I, you, right. I think I think this will make Bitcoin probably uh, a lot of the the the, the neck beards and the, and the basement dwellers that are Bitcoin enthusiasts get off their duff and get the Lightning Network up and running. Um, yeah. I think now this actually validates the top five the top ten cryptocurrencies that exist today. It's why it's one of the reasons Bitcoin is at almost eleven thousand dollars right now from its lows when we started this podcast like i god it had to be five grand six grand oh it was it was lower at, just shortly prior to i think it was down what 3800 oh yeah okay i mean it was it was hitting it was hitting a uh the a psychological my or uh psychological what they call that uh like a breaking point yeah, like if right. it fell below it it wasn't going to be even be worth it to mine it but you but here's, so yeah, and, the, and the cool thing about it is that in financial in financial trading terms was its floor right? yeah that's its support floor right so for, so 3800 is its support floor and it bounced back up thereafter it was climbing long before this bitcoin uh, before this uh facebook uh libra um initiative. it was um, it was. I mean, I mentioned the timing, but at the same time, it's like. But it does. It, but it does validate. It does validate it, though. It does validate the crypto space, and I think that's very, very important. And I think Jeff, you know, Jeffrey Tucker over at the, um, uh, over at A uh, A I E R uh, A I E R um, brought up that much in his um, in his his essay about it. 
Um, now, you know, I, this consortium, it, it's not a true decentralized whatever. The plan is to eventually become decentralized. Um, me and you can't just start mining it tomorrow. We have to have, it's kind of like being a bank. Like it's, you have to have certain capitalization. You have to have, you know, you have to, you have to kind of like a bank, you have to have certain information architecture that's protected a certain way. Um, that much I think is, I think that low, that, I think that raises the barrier to entry a little too high. But I, I, I get what they're doing because they're trying to be a parallel banking system. I mean, they're going to be know yeah. your, they're going to implement know your customer laws. They're going to implement anti money laundering, you know, protocols. Um, they're they're basically right. becoming a parallel financial system in order for them to be what what I'd like to say is a a parallel financial system. Um, they're going to base the currency's uh, um, spot price on a basket of currents of fiat currencies. Um, right. So that's kind of basically like IMF uh, special drawing um, receipts, um, if you've ever heard of those. Um, th so they're basically becoming like, think of them as a parallel IMF, International Monetary Fund. And mm -hmm. um, it's, I, I, I like the concept. Now, they're going to poo-poo it for a lot of reasons. One, there's going to be a lot of regulatory headwinds that will be in the show notes. Um, coming from Capitol Hill, um, crazy Maxine Waters, uh, anti-Maxine out there in your neck of the woods, wants them to hold God. off on, on anything before they release it. It's like, what are you talking about? Hold off. The, the currency doesn't launch until next year. Right? So I don't understand what they need to hold off for. Um, There's it, uh. it, 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 just a, a thousand and one things. And I think if it was anyone but Facebook, it would probably be embraced. Even even on the libertarian side, no one's no one's trusting um, that Facebook won't won't have a a hand in it. Even though the association right. it set off it set up is a subsidiary, not even a subsidiary, it's a separate thing. Like that, Facebook just is a member, a founding member of. But the, you know that won't be enough for those who well. So what they. Did they did they tie Facebook as the primary name to it just for marketing then or um, I mean that's the only thing that I if can you think. go to the Libra site no no it is not okay. Facebook Libra works we're, we're saying it, it, it you know gotcha as part of the vernacular here. okay okay yeah. well it, it is vernacular I mean that's the way it's being kind of right if you jostled go, around if, if, in yeah, the if, media if and you everything. go to the media and the un the uninitiated and uneducated portions of the media then yes. Um, but realistically, it, it you know the only real thing it'll it'll be it'll be part of the overall pool of people who are obviously mining or well more as they move more toward a proof of um, stake there'll be more forging but they're, but validating the chain there'll be one of many organizations that are validating the chain um, and there'll be gotcha. there'll be one of many organizations that have wallets it's it's going to be an open platform. Um, to the most for the most part, so you can you can develop you can develop for it now. Um, you know, the, AP, okay. the API exists, everything exists. You know, for you to start testing this stuff, um, a test net has already been set up, um, and you know they're going to come up with their Calibre wallet that'll be integrated. It'll be a separate app. It'll be integrated into WhatsApp. It'll be integrated into uh, Facebook Messenger. Um, you know, so that's that's how they'll they'll get their hooks into it. Um, they want to sure. be they want to be WeChat for the rest of the world. And, you know, you're familiar mm. with WeChat. I think, I don't know if we've explained it to the audience, but the WeChat in China is basically like your everything. Like, imagine having Google Maps, um, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, Instagram, Uber, Lyft, uh, Uber Eats, OpenTable. Imagine, uh, you know, your, your, your loyalty app for Walgreens or CVS. Um, your Whole Foods, you know, loyalty card or whatever. Imagine having your your eBay, your everything in one app. That's what mm. that's WeChat in China. Um, gotcha. And so you know they they want to try that because you know Zuckerberg's wife is Chinese. He's been to China many uh -huh. times. Um, and you know, truth, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that it's a it's it's this all encompassing app that knows everything about you in a very totalitarian state, WeChat actually sounds pretty cool. But um, 
you know, that's but that's that's Facebook's play, right? They want to be one, the one app to rule right. them all. Um, and and they are and they are doing it. They're 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 constantly sucking other ones. Uh, I have sucking them up, but uh, you know they're constantly absorbing other ones and kind of either copying their technology or you know. I mean, Snapchat, that the, their big thing with the stories and yeah, kind of yeah, copying they, that yeah, whole thing. And and Instagram. Yeah. They're, 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 they're trying to do it. It's a little backhanded, but yeah. Yeah, and WhatsApp is, I, I use it exclusively outside the country. Like, when I'm outside the country, I use WhatsApp. My wife uses WhatsApp all the time to talk yeah. to her friends in uh, Ecuador and Spain. So, they know what they're doing. And even if it's this crypto i hope it actually kind of succeeds because if it succeeds it validates other cryptocurrencies in the market particularly because it's, i hope it brings i i hope it brings more of a legitimacy to them too or or a or a uh i don't know about it legi- like a it common de- legitimacy I think, I, I think it just demystifies them um there you go yeah and it, and i think maybe hopefully um, people will we we can begin to onboard people into these other cryptocurrencies. I hope eventually the Libra incorporates in its basket of currencies maybe some of the more stable cryptocurrencies like XRP or Ethereum or or whatever. Oh, I uh, did I uh, another kind of story that that I think is kind of one of many many stories that is kind of validated. It is just like um one of the major um not cryptocurrencies, but one of the major kind of, um, oh, uh, I don't know if it was exchanges or somebody bought into MoneyGram. Um, and I, I don't know if you're familiar with MoneyGram, though, but I mean, it's a, it's for when it comes to um, repatriation, uh, like MoneyGram is like the second largest in the world. And I, oh, yeah? I, can't, I can't remember what crypto play yeah xrp so the guys that do like the ripple currency so uh yeah so ripple put a 50 million dollar stake um into uh, moneygram um to push it to deploy like it's xrp as their kind of unit or as a kind of back channel unit unit of exchange and for you know using their blockchain and stuff so you see Mm. these stories out there one at a time onesie twosies like some of these cryptocurrencies are real serious about things. I think Ethereum, like a lot of the concepts that Ethereum is based on, like, because I actually specifically saw in some of the synopsis of the white paper for Libra, smart contracts. Those were things that were basically originally pioneered with the the deployment of the Ethereum uh, network in the in their blockchain. And these, these abilities to have smart contracts, you know, these things that mm. algorithmically kind of execute based on like, conditions on the on the on the block so right so yeah i mean i i i think it's good i think it's a it's a good thing i don't like the messenger either i'm facebook has been you know been the bane of my existence but at the end of the day when i want to communicate with the normies out there um it's how you do it it's, it's how it's how i do it you know i mean messenger right if i could just use messenger and not use facebook that would be I'd be fine by me, but I still use Facebook because I still communicate with people all around the world. It is still, it is still like a one point. What is, what does they have on their site here? It's still a 1.4 million person network. Million. Oh, I'm sorry. Billion. I forgot there. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. No, no, yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. It's like, it's, it's, yeah, it's a 1.4 billion person network. Um, ac- yeah. Across all of the platforms. So one can't argue that they're going to have some heft when they deploy this next year. Um, yep. Even if you don't like it. Well, you know, so uh, I don't know any other, any thoughts on that one, man? Uh, I mean, we I think we beat that one to death with, with the, with our suspicions, our, our hopes and our dreams and the possibility of it being, you know, something that helps us validate our, you know, cryptocurrency investments because, you know, I know mine's are in the toilet, but. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right, so I mean, I guess kind of, kind of to wrap things up here with the last topic, one that I'm going to use as an opportunity to, to now beat on the social justice idiots that I, I hated for everyone who thought 
that the ending of net neutrality rules that had only been in effect for barely a year would lead to the absolute end of the internet, allow me to introduce the FCC chair that everyone hates, Ajit Pai's Victory Lab. So we were told that the world would end if these rules were revealed. Yes. Didn't and they And the world ended. No, wait. It didn't. It didn't. No, 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 no. Oh. Gary, I think you're mistaken. <laughs> I, w- I am mistaken. <laughs> no, no, no. What am I thinking about? Uh, it, could be, it could be the environment. It could be... Oh, the environment exploded. You're right. Oh, wait. Or the election of Donald Trump or um, Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court or um, not kicking Steven Crowder off of uh, YouTube. There's 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 a litany of things that could have brought us to our impending final end. And and it did it one after another. And one after another. It was amazing. They were all proven to be BS. So the critics. Yes, they were. The, the critics were demonstrably wrong. Pi's statement has confirmed yes, my contention were. that the edge providers, not the ISPs, are the bigger threat. So basically, I, rem- I, I basically Pi said like, "Yo, like the greatest threat to the free and open internet has been unregulated Silicon Valley tech giants that do, in fact, today decide what you see and what you don't." That's right. It is an ISPs. As I said many years ago, when I argued with even my most tech-savvy friends, the edge providers have more influence on the bits that arrive at your desktop or on your phone than your ISPs. Your ISPs are common carriers already. They don't care what comes over their pipes. Be exact, to the most part, being that most traffic is, H- is isn't, isn't most traffic like SS. SSL or HTTPS or whatever. It's it's hard to well even at this see. at this point it's all encrypted. Yeah, it's hard to see. They can they can tell where it's going, where it's coming from, and about what size it is. But yeah. other than that, yeah, that's about it. So technology had routed around the possibility of them throttling anything. Um, so you know, the pie continues. There's no transparency. There's no customer protections. And I think bipartisan members of both congressional chambers have now come to that realization. That is the part that scared me of that whole statement. While he is absolutely correct, he's absolutely true. He has been pretty much one of the best FCC chairmen we've had since ever um, because he was absolutely positively going to go in with a hands-off approach. He was absolutely right. This has always been a threat for big tech, right? Back when they thought this was a great idea, back when they thought that net neutrality would be the end-all, be-all. I don't understand how so many people embrace this mass delusion of net neutrality. I, I, it, it was, it was, it was a mass. It, it was a total sell on the fear that you were going to be controlled at your, you know, in your home by an evil company that was going to say this, these bits get more priority than these. And, and, and people just somehow freaked out. Yeah. They tended to think that they were going to, that the ISPs were going to nickel and dime you for every site you visited on the internet. Right. That is absolutely. Which is so stupid. It it was, it was, (laughs) it was a silly argument. Um, Newsflash. But it, but it had fear and fear works and that's what and that's ultimately what led people to even people who who knew better who have technical expertise yep. who ran isps right this is like well we don't we don't do i was like but we don't uh, uh prioritize bits or anything but 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 comcast universal might yeah okay you're proving the point as to why we don't need to regulate comcast universal um the, the ultimate problem right. has always been competition i mean and here's the deal like Oh, they say, oh, oh, their investment in the internet, uh, internet infrastructure would, 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 you know, isn't going to go up under this stuff like that. In aggregate, it has. Um, the other things that they were talking about that were stupid was like, uh, yeah, they're like, oh, they're going to, you know, prioritizing bits, right? Well, that's how the internet worked anyway. Like, right. Uh, bits are prioritized. Like, and funny, this whole thing started with a dispute between Verizon and Netflix. I remember back in yep. like 2010 or whatever. And by the time 
the grassroots effort to stem up hatred for ISPs and for those uh, hatreds to then manifest themselves in either legislation or rules making, the free market had already figured out this dispute. The, they, had, they had already, Netflix and Verizon had already squashed the dispute. And the market right. handled it. Um, ISPs handled it. I mean, to think that there's no throttling of your content, there's no um, prior deprioritization of your content, all you have to do, create a website, bring up an AWS instance, and tell everyone and their mom to go to your website, and then get back with me in the first month when you get the bill. They paid you. Right. They paid you. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like they're going to charge you for every bit. Yep. Um, and here's, yeah. here's, and here's the deal. If you, and if you didn't peer, pay for the right tier, those bits cost more. If you pay for a higher tier, yeah. those bits cost less. Isn't that prioritization of bits? It's absolutely prioritization. Um, and, yep. and, and it's like the, the way they were trying to regulate for the way the internet was 15 years ago, not the way the internet is today. And I, well, and that's tip. That's typical of government, though. I mean, they they're always looking in the past. Okay, we've got these stupid freeway widening projects that are going on right now, right up, you know, from where I live, and I know they're going to be obsolete the second they open. Yeah, because all of the planning, all of the design, all of the studies were done ten years ago before the traffic change you know and that's a prime example yeah we the the one what was it the no the 405 freeway up through la mm -hmm. there was a big widening project they did and it was this huge media event when they blew up bridges and I all this crazy stuff it was cool yeah 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 that inconvenienced it, it, it was, the hell out of you guys too i remember <laughs> It did. It 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 made so many people spend so much more time, so much more fuel, everything. They just came out with a report. Guess how much time it has saved people uh, on their commutes? Oh, I, I would assume less. <laughs> then less than was commute, originally anticipated, right? Commute times have increased. <laughs> And when I read that news report, I just cracked up. I just said, "This is this is the world we live in." And and and, and what we're talking about is exactly right. You know, they they plan these things, they plan their legislation and everything off of data that's ten years old. And every, and what else can they do, really? I mean, it's longitudinal data that's collected over time. Yeah. Okay. I guess what they can do and what would be a service to the people is to at least acknowledge that it's stale data, right. that it's old right. and it does not necessarily reflect what the world is now but you're, and what it will be in two years. But you're always sold the worst case scenario, right? You're always <laughs> yeah. all based on that data, right? Or even if the data, right. even if the data shows like, well, there's not a problem now, like in the instance of net neutrality, there were there were no blatant instances of ISPs throttling. I think the only one they could point to was the fact that years before the Verizon Netflix di like this dispute, there was throttling of Bitcoin, like oh, I'm sorry, Bitcoin, but a BitTorrent traffic from certain ISPs. If you dig deep into that story, the, on the surface, oh, yeah, they were obviously throttling that protocol. They were obviously throttling that because, you know, the uh, the RIAA and MPAA and whatever. No, right. If you, really, if you dig deeper into that story, there was a flaw. At the time, there was a flaw in the BitTorrent protocol that caused it to use more bandwidth and saturate lines. They fixed it, Right. Um, you right. can move bit you can move all kinds of BitTorrent back. Be exact, I think a lot of the things like BitChute and all these other things actually use kind of similar swarming protocols like that now for delivery of video, which I think is actually a far superior way and actually a way to get around censorship. Um, I only wish there was more investment in that infrastructure because um, BitChute over the past mo month has been a 
abysmal performance-wise just because everyone's going there um, hmm. to get, as an exodus from YouTube because YouTube's become Gestapo-like and it's like tactics of kicking people off and demonetizing. But, right. you, you, you know, but that, that just goes to show you, right? Like, you know, they, they don't – people just get on these kind of I – I, I don't know if it's just a natural – it's my, my theory that they hate the big – and, you know, particularly leftist kind of, you know, tech journalists hate the big and it, insults, yep. it, it you know, and insults their sensibilities. And at the end of the day, like Mr. You know, Chairman Pai can have a victory lap and basically point to them. It's like, no, it's the very same people who are advocating for this crap or the very same people that are actually doing much more to to. to throttle or cater or even block what you see or say than any of the ISPs that you were trying to put this title to like monstrosity on. Um, and here's the big, and here's, and here's the thing that's even more frightening. Big tech uh, f- for many decades had Republican or people typically right of center on their side every time the left would go after them for antitrust Every time they go after him for um, anti-competitive behavior, I mean, the staunchest defenders of Microsoft during their antitrust times were Republicans, right? Flash forward about twenty years, and now tech, big tech, has no friends. The left is always going to go after you because you're big, right? And you have you have yeah. too much influence. And now did you? And have if you're the if you're yeah. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt no, you, no, but no, 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 I'm agreeing with you. But I mean, I mean, in, in, well, it's like what we talked about a couple of episodes ago is, you know, if you're the big guy, you're the target, period, done. End of because sentence. you're going to you're going to get the attention they need to project the fear that they somehow spin to get the votes that they need or the attention they need to, you know. Yeah push their agenda and, 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 that, and yeah and i think that's it's, the way the game works you know i mean and that's that's that regulatory capture the anatomy of which we have been seeing over the last you know yeah. we've discussed over the last three four episodes and then you have the fact that like now your republicans are you no longer have republicans on capitol hill that are sympathetic to the ethos of silicon valley right they hate you now they hate you just as much right and and you and and silicon valley has no one to blame but itself for this um, yeah. you've, you've basically exposed your right flank and now you're being attacked on both sides. And basically what you're going to get out of it is we're, we're, I told my daughter this the other day because we were looking at YouTube videos and I, I look at a lot of Tim pool and Tim pool has been very, very good on this. Now he wants regulation, which I think, you know, he's young. He's doesn't quite understand it like that never works. But I mean, he, he he's basically, he, my, my daughter asked, is this like, well, you know, why are they doing this and stuff like that? It's just like, hun, I've been alive, I'll show, I'll tell my age, 40 years. I've seen antitrust, I've studied antitrust and experienced antitrust three times in my life. Every time it's happened, it's always taken years for them to drum up the case, years for them to drag the company through the courts. And by the time there's an ultimate verdict or a settlement, the player for which the government has spent hundreds of millions of dollars to go after is no longer the biggest player in the game. I've seen it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, but it is kind of disappoints me because I'm a right of center guy and I, you know, I typically vote Republican from time to time, but now you have Republicans up there. I mean, Ted Cruz, Joss Hawley, all of them are just like, okay, then, you know, maybe we should regulate them. There you go. <laughs> game over. I mean that's your that's your maga your your right wing maga types and those who are maga adjacent now converging with the Elizabeth Warrens the Elizabeth Warrens of the world to be like okay regulate big tech big tech you've big t- I'll tell you right now man anyone who works at Facebook or Pinterest or, or 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 Alphabet or whatever you played yourself yo you played yourself and now everyone's coming mm-hmm. after you and and you know. I'm going to, to continue to toll the libertarian line that they have every right to act as badly as they do, but understand yeah. that we live in the real world and those those ideological choices that you've been making have unintended consequences. And then now the now the chickens have come home to roost. 
and it's bad, man, because when these rules go online, they're going to destroy, they're going to cripple great companies, and they're going to make newer companies even that come up. You know, I mean, it's ugh. yeah, that's all I can say. And, and, and <laughs> completely misguided and everything, but hey, you know what? The politicians got their way, so they will get the debt now. Yippee! They'll ultimately <laughs> get their way, but big up to Chairman Pi who spoke out once again. He will be hated. He will be slandered in Polygon and Vo- uh, Verge, TechCrunch, and everywhere else. Um, Ars Technica in particular. Um, but, but hey, on thank you for your servers. <laughs> <laughs> we we salute you, Chairman Pi. We salute yes, you. we do. We don't oftentimes do hero worship, but he's been, I mean, he's been about 95% on since he took over. Um, he's been the best thing that's yeah. happened to the FCC. Um, and uh, he he's right. It's always been the edge providers. It's never been the ISPs. So uh, any closing thoughts on the stories of the day? Anything we forgot about? Anything else you'd want to, uh, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get back in the groove here this next week. Start uh, reading some articles and doing something. Honestly, my life has been so packed with just personal issues and dramas and end of school year and you I, know the things that you have to just do that I I haven't even had the energy to and on behalf to get excited of about the it. Audience <laughs> and myself, I would like to thank you for your service to the Thank You for Your Service podcast. Because, Whoa, man! I mean, I I'm glad I have a co-host, and I know it's hard to get together, but man, it's 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 you know we're we're, we're you know we're doing pretty well, and I think we're 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 starting to click, and uh, yeah, we'll definitely get back to deep deep dives and stuff like that i mean i mean the only thing i i got going you know to, to close things out is like you know uh gab uh got banned from uh i guess the app store development i guess and i think uh there's also some other news of some other deep dive stuff i really want to get a deep dive into like machine learning and ai like fact and f- fact versus fiction I definitely want to slap down some like 5G, you know, Alex Jones type conspiracy theories about that stuff. Um, I've been getting kind of some some requests through back channels of like, hey, break that stuff down, you know, because, you know, certain people are getting paranoid about 5G. And I need to be like, I need to kind of tell everybody to pump the brakes and let's let's throw some science. Let's throw some science at it so people understand that it's not like the end of the world. Stop watching RT. So, you know, sure. that, but that, that, that's all I got to say. And that's all we've got. And I think with that said, I think we should probably close out. Thank you guys for logging in to thank you for your servers. We'll be back with another episode soon.